I'd say that my faith was forcefully deconstructed. Like, the Christian community around me, like, swung a wrecking ball at it, basically. 13 years of just agony and just self-loathing and just never feeling good enough. People telling me they wanted to make sure I know that, like, I'm going to hell if I continue down this destructive path. And yeah, and that was super traumatic, as you can imagine. Like, I lost all of my close friends and ended up staying in a relationship that was really unhealthy for me simply because she was the only person I, like, had in my life at that point. I mean, I feel like I died. Like, my past self, I don't know who that is. This is the airing of grief. Conversations and correspondence about spiritual D and reconstruction. Season two, episode 15, when the fires subside. I don't know how I should say your name. It's okay. Great. Hi. <laughs> nice to meet you. How's it going? It's good. Good. Cool. Well, I just figured we, yeah, I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to hear how you um, kind of found us, found the podcast, um, you know, decided to, to give us a call and want to chat. Um, just would love to hear more about what, what it is that you've experienced. Yeah. Um, so I found the airing of grief podcast just through like listening to the life after podcast and just getting involved with like that whole community of people that have left church. Yeah. And, um, well, I guess I could give like a quick background of like where I'm coming from. Sure. So I grew up in an AG church, something with God mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. was just like super like serious about my relationship with God since I was young and like also like pretty like spiritually mature for my age like like I I could speak in tongues and I'd mm. be like say like slaying the spirit and all that stuff mm -hmm. and not only did I do that but like I understood like the theology behind mm. it like I know a lot of like kids that do that like don't know what they're doing and they're just sure. going with the flow but like I got it like yeah. I was serious about it and then I ended up going to an AG Christian college and that whole deal mm -hmm. kind of sort of felt like a call to missions towards the end of that. Mm. And then I graduated college and I, it, that year was like the last election cycle of 2012. Oh yeah. And so I started like having to think it was the first time I could vote. So I had to yeah. think about like, who am I going to vote for? Wow. And just like that just led to a deconstruction journey and I mean, I fully believed everything in the Bible. Like there was no doubts in my mind that any yeah. of it wasn't real. Yeah. And yeah, so like just having to think about my political views, those started changing. Mm. But actually it's funny, the catalyst for all of this was actually just like watching a documentary on marijuana. Like really? I was just like, yeah, I was just like, I've been lied to my whole life. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then it kind of was just like, well, what else have I been lied about? Yeah. And then just kind of like digging into things and realizing like, hey, Jesus would have been like a socialist. Like, what yeah. are we doing? Right. And, <laughs> and like all that. And then after I graduated, I went backpacking in Europe by myself just to like discover myself and find God's will for my life because that was a huge struggle. Like 
all through mm. high school and college, just figuring out what his will was and his plan for my life. So, yeah. But when I went backpacking, I like purposely, like, made it a point to like just take a break from God in church, and I knew mm-hmm. God would be okay with that. Right. Yeah. And the time and the space, and just meeting different people and seeing different things, and even seeing how Christianity is different in other countries, kind of like. Mm opened my mind a little. I didn't have like a big life-changing like epiphany moment there. It was just like just you know from meeting people and seeing different things and yeah so that's and so then about a year after that I read Love Wins by Rob Bell mm, and then that'll do you know, it. <laughs> that, that I like just went from fully believing to just being straight up 100% atheist that mm. day because I was yeah. like holy shit like the hell how we're taught yeah that's where the devil lives and that's where people go when they die if they don't believe in christ like that's not in the bible like at all tell me about it the thing (laughs) that i love about that book is that he never makes an assertion he just asks all of the questions yeah and and he he leaves so much open space Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that's when you zoom out and you're like wait a minute how come i've been told this thing that it's just not here yeah yeah Mm mm-hmm so Yep, that I became an atheist because like once you don't have hell in the picture, yeah, like everything else falls. <laughs> Where's your incentive what, to do? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and it's not even like incentive, like oh, I can do whatever I want now because right? I'm not gonna go to hell. It's just like there's no reason to fear it, anything what, What's the point of salvation? What's yes. the point of any of it? Like, right. what am I being saved from? Yes, that's something I'm I'm writing into the first chapter of my thesis that I'm writing right now, which is, you know, kind of looking at those, the first chapter of it is looking at those beliefs very closely um, and kind of asking those questions of how did evangelicalism build itself into a belief in these things and is that appropriate? And I, I said something about that in there where, you know, the eternal conscious torment thing, um, that's where it starts to unravel for most people because exactly what you're saying, once that piece is removed, none of the rest of it fits. None of the rest of it makes any sense. There's no, you know, there's no like atonement that's needed because atonement for what reason? To save you from what? There's no salvation that's necessary. And then if you don't need to be saved for any reason, then there's nothing to be saved from. So then original sin goes. So it's like that I've noticed. And that was true for me. The hell piece was the first one that went for me too. I've noticed that to be true for a lot of people where once that one goes like just that this whole new world of I get to ask questions about all this other shit opens yeah, up yeah and then you're safe to ask questions yes too, exactly it's like, well, not scary anymore what's mm-hmm. gonna happen if I ask the questions nothing nothing yeah so mm-hmm. <laughs> yep And so I also, with all that too, like I'm bisexual and mm-hmm. polyamorous and discovering yeah. like all these things about myself. And it's just been like a really fun journey of like that's, discovering sex and girl, discovering that's like That's the other everything. thing when there's no more hell anymore. There's like, I get yeah. to find out who I am, like who I yeah. actually really am now. Cause there's no, there's no binary anymore. There's no right or wrong anymore. I just get to figure out who I am and what it is that I want. I don't need to be afraid of if I step outside of some boundary, I'm doomed forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much freedom in that. Like, yeah. so in my deconstruction, like the first couple years was easy. It was mm-hmm. good. I was just enjoying freedom and just discovering science. And it was just 
like really easy. Yeah. But now it's a couple years later, I faced like a trauma in my life. Um, on election night, mm. I found out like my apartment burned down and everything was ruined. What? So yeah, I found out like this just past the, election the, night, the, like 2016. Trump. Oh God! Yes. I mean, what kind of what, like, what kind of fucking metaphor found, is that? Jesus! I got a phone call right about the same time that the, no. the scales were tipping towards <gasps> Trump's side. So it was just like double, like just pure. That is anxiety truly and stranger than fiction. That's but unbelievable. But I actually handled it, handled it really well. Like wow. the apartment thing with everything being destroyed. I wasn't there at the time. No one was home. It started on its own. We don't know how it started or oh. anything like that. And there's like a creepy ghost story behind that story as well. Oh my God. Okay. At um, some point I want to hear about but, that. We'll, we'll yeah, talk about that um, on our own. I was like, I was fine with it. And also just kind of put the fire in perspective. Like my shit's fucked. I have nothing, but mm. oh my God, like what the world is fucked now. Like, so it made the fire like almost okay for a while. Wow. And meanwhile, I just had to deal with, like, the anxiety that I'm mm. sure everyone felt, like, when Trump won. And, yeah. like, on top of that, like, as soon as I found out, I, like, called my mom. And I was like, Mom, like, my apartment burned down and everything's destroyed. And, like, <laughs> um, and then I was like, and then on top of that, like, Trump won. And she was just like, but Hillary this and Hillary that. And I'll send you this oh whole God. list of why Hillary sucks. And I was like, Oh. my apartment just burned down and you're gonna like spew this GOP like nonsense and oh. like not even come for me at all so like that was really hurtful god that's Sorry. awful like I'm okay with it but like you survived really it but it's having... still not okay yeah, yeah. like I'm fine yeah. and I have a life I mean I was yeah. only homeless for like a week but I had friends mm. there that like gave me a place to stay and everything. Yeah. Funnily enough, like, I stayed the longest with, like, my friend that was, like, a dominatrix. Like, oh, amazing. Like, yeah, I, know. I just love people and the different people I've met. I don't know if um, that person would or would not, so I don't want to project, like, necessarily classify themselves as a sex worker, but truly, sex workers are the most generous, compassionate, incredible human beings I've yeah, ever met. Yeah, that's what I found. Like, yes. they're not, they're normal people. Yes, like, yes. Yeah, but... Yeah, so that, like, that was rough. And, like, on top of that, like, my mom's, like... I mean, I have a complex relationship with my mom. Like, she's mm. Asian. I'm biracial. And, yeah. you know, she's, like, racist. And mm. my coming out story to her is, like, entrenched in racism. She oh. turns out she's more racist than she is homophobic. Wow. So Wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I've got a lot going on. Wow. And a lot that I'm dealing with. But, like, that's kind of where I'm at. So, like, mm. yeah, the beginning of my deconstruction was, like, easy. But now I'm mm. just, like discovering all these different podcasts and like really processing stuff and mm -hmm. I'm in like a polyamorous relationship right now mm -hmm. with like people that are really interested in my story and they really oh, admire awesome. me for like having left the faith and everything like that so just like that's talking amazing. to them about my life I've been processing a lot and they have kids so like seeing how their kids are being raised yeah like I just thought my childhood was normal but mm. like it's yeah yep yeah Dude, so similar just, like, thing seeing the contract yep. like yep. I've been processing a lot lately and it's not been easy and yeah I wish everyone could see like how I see things like see the truth mm -hmm. like hell isn't real and I mean right. I, I don't want to I struggle like stopping myself from being like an atheist missionary because like that call to like reach the lost is so like entrenched yeah. into my personality yeah, same <laughs> and yeah. I struggle sometimes of like shutting up but yeah yeah 
But it, it, it purely because I mean, I guess I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Though. It, like, yes, it's, it's not easy, and it's not. I don't think yeah. everyone could really handle it. It's like your whole life just. I mean, I feel like I die. Like my yeah. past self. I don't yeah. know who that is. Hey there, is it? Uh, yes. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> so, uh, so have you been a listener to the podcast, or? Yeah, I think I'm behind like two episodes, um, and also I listen in the car, so I definitely miss things. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty up to date with kind of what you guys have been discussing and kind of the changes that have happened with the second season. Oh, cool. Well, I would love to hear some of your story. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess a little bit of background on me. I've been in kind of the Northeast Texas area um, since I was born. I was born in East Texas. I've been kind of in the Dallas-Fort Worth area since I was about 16. Mm -hmm. um, so very conservative area. Um, a lot of racism, sexism, homophobia, like anything yeah. you think about being like traditional family values in the U.S. is like kind of what I grew up in. Mm. Um and so I grew up in the Presbyterian church, which, um, at least in this area, I'm not really sure about the denomination nationwide is like actually one of the most progressive denominations. Like they were one of the first denominations, um, to actually agree to perform same sex marriages in different areas. And, mm -hmm. um, somehow leaving a small Presbyterian church. Um, so I started college at 16 and ended up going to, um, a very evangelical mega church, um, one of the big multi-campus churches in the Dallas area. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just really entrenched in that culture um, from 16 to 22. Um, I think the biggest draw for me was just how sure of everything the pastor was. He always spoke about everything he said. He was very clear that this was exactly what the Bible was telling him. And um, mm -hmm. especially at 16 and being in a new city alone at college, and it was really, really comforting to have somebody that was so sure of exactly everything they were saying. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's um, amazing how many people are not all that entrenched and then some find some certitude and just really go with it right at that age. I did the same thing. Yeah. Um, so around the same time that I started going to that church, actually, um, was when I started realizing that I was attracted to women. Mm. I think before that point, I'd always, and I was 16, maybe 17, because I turned 17 sometime during that semester. Um, I, before that point, I'd always just thought I would eventually find men interesting in some way. Um, I just didn't realize that like, maybe it meant something that I had never had like a true crush on a boy. And, um, yeah, but I was holding hands with a friend as we were walking across campus, just non romantically, like very platonically. And I was like, oh, I have feelings and, mm. um, being in, um, a very, very anti-gay church. Um, they were big supporters of the kind of ex-gay conversion therapy movement at the time. Mm. Um, that was terrifying for me because my entire support system, like the people that I considered my family since I was pretty much estranged from my biological family, even at that point, um, 
I knew like I would not be accepted. I would lose like everybody who was important in my life if I came out. So um, I decided that I wouldn't. I spent a lot of time trying to pray the gay away. Um, and also at the same time, I was dealing with um, a lot of depression, post-traumatic stress disorder and an eating disorder and um, trying to hide and deny such a huge part of who I was and mm-hmm. how I believe like that I was created to be like obviously wasn't really good for me trying to like deal with the rest of my issues. Right. And those things are, um, are, are really linked, right? So much of the time and feeding right. each other. And so nobody yeah, knew for me, it definitely at was. all. Nobody knew for years. Um, yeah, I didn't tell anybody until I was probably 21, maybe 22. Um, so I eventually came out when I was 22. Um, a couple of months prior to coming out, I'd kind of started having conversations with um, people that were on staff or otherwise in kind of leadership positions in the church and talking about um, kind of that I didn't believe in complementarianism anymore. This church was also like really mega conservative about the roles that women were allowed to hold in the church. Um, so they're kind of cut off for when like a woman quote unquote, couldn't hold an authority over a man was eighth grade. So starting at eighth grade, women couldn't teach like males. Yeah. Which is crazy. Like, (laughs) um, and even my, at that point, my like, church that seemed did pretty the crazy same to me. thing. My church did the same thing. Yeah. And I actually tried to point out the absurdity of it once by saying, because they were saying that the high schoolers shouldn't be, or the co- I was a college pastor. They were saying the high schoolers mm-hmm. shouldn't be taught by women in one of our pastoral meetings. And I was like, if if you're if you're drawing the line there, you might as well draw it in junior high because a lot of those kids are in puberty. And I was saying that to as like, isn't this absurd what yeah, you guys are saying? And instead, the elders were like, you know what? We really should pray about that. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I am so sorry. Like, like looked over at the junior high pastor, and I was like, I was trying to use that as an, a, a ridiculous example, <laughs> and instead they went with it. Yeah. Um, so I had kind of been meeting with people and talking about kind of my evolving views. And um, I think at that point I had decided that even if I never came out and just stayed in the closet the rest of my life, like, it didn't feel right to me to support a church that was – that held such like really damaging views on like same-sex relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think at that point I was very aware of kind of just thinking about like the fruit of that theology, like that theology like literally kills people and how could we um, hold on to that when like objectively like believing this is killing people. Um, Mm -hmm. So I decided that I would like to leave the church eventually and um, but my whole support system was still kind of wrapped up in that church. So I was really hesitant. And um, eventually I decided I was just going to bite the bullet and go on a date with a woman. Um, The funny thing is, um, so we like had dinner and we like went to a bar. It was like an outdoor beer garden type place. And like half the staff of the church that I had been a part of was like out there, like having a beer while I was like on this date that nobody knew I was going on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't want it to be like, everybody found out because that just felt kind of dirty to me like I wanted to be very upfront about everything because I knew that I wasn't doing anything wrong um so I sent an email to my friend who was on staff at the church the next day and was like hey like I'm definitely going to leave the village um I I've gone on a date with a woman and kind of before this goes any further like I know this is against um the covenant that we ha- I had designed to be a member. So I want to go ahead and like leave the church on good terms. And 
Um, I was told immediately that that was not an option for me, that they wanted to bring me in to go through like the full church discipline process before I would be allowed to leave the church. Um, Jesus. I kind of, yeah, <laughs> I kind of sat on that for a few days and I sent an email back. I was like, you know, actually I'm not willing to do that. You know, I've wrestled with this within myself for long enough. And, um, actually you don't own me. <laughs> that is just, yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, they're very big on the church discipline process. And I know some people think very highly of that and feel like it was very restorative for them. And then I also know like women that were told that they couldn't like leave their abusive husbands or they'd be going through church discipline. And um, just a lot of really crazy, like very black and white, like our covenant says this exactly. And there's no room for us to discuss like your actual life circumstances surrounding mm-hmm. that. So um so eventually they decided that they would not make me go through the church discipline process since I wasn't like willing to come up there and have people like grill me, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that would have actually looked like in that case. But so they eventually decided that I would be allowed to leave the church, but that like I wouldn't be leaving. They would be removing me. Um, so they like they have member meetings like every other month or so. And they like discuss everybody who's like been added to church membership and everybody that has been removed from church membership and like the reasons why. Um, so so wait. And how big is this church? Um, thousands of people at multiple sites. So it would have wow. only been the people at the campus that I was going to at the time that would have been like privy to this information as far as I understand. Right. That, I mean, um, that's a that's a very high level involvement for a large church. That's I mean, yeah. that's very <laughs> that's scary. And like the response of you can't quit, you're fired, you know, ba- basically. Yeah, like, basically. Geez. Yeah. Um, so during that same time, um, so I'd come out to my close friends and um, other people that I felt I wanted to tell, like, before everybody knew um, at that point. But then um, the woman that I was dating at the time, I guess just didn't think about it and decided she was going to surprise me by making our relationship like Facebook official. Um, so she did that right before we went into a movie. So two hours later, I look at my phone after the movie and I have like a fuck ton of like messages, emails, phone calls, um, Facebook messages, comments on like what she posted and all of this, just people like telling me, um, like they really want to pray with me and people telling me they wanted to make sure I know that like I'm going to hell if I continue down this destructive path and um, just kind of everything you can imagine there. And um, yeah, and that was super traumatic as you can imagine. Like I lost all of my close friends and ended up staying in a relationship that was really unhealthy for me simply because she was the only person I like had in my life at that point. Yeah. so I guess a big part of the reason that I wanted to call in was just because I don't think I've heard any other stories from people who were like actually kicked out of churches. Um, I think it's, I mean, I do miss things definitely, but I think I've mostly heard from people that kind of made a conscious decision to walk away or just kind of stop going. And um, for me, like at that point, I definitely was not planning on deconstructing my faith at all like it had been very important to me to study the bible and come to a point to where i could understand like all of the scriptures that dealt with same-sex attraction um in the context that they were built in and um there's a book called god and the gay christian by matthew vines which uh-huh. i really recommend to any evangelical yeah, like looking matthew. at those issues yeah he's, yeah he's fantastic yeah so i really come to a point to where i believed like 
based even on like the very little or literal words written in the Bible that like me being in a relationship with a woman was not sinful. And, mm-hmm. um, I really had, I, I knew I was going to leave this church, but I had kind of no intention of leaving Christianity at that point. And, um, so it really was like just me being kicked out of a church and all of my Christian friends, like making sure I knew that they believed in their heart of hearts that I was going to suffer eternal conscious torment for dating a woman. Um, that made me kind of like, I say that my faith was forcefully deconstructed. Like the, the Christian community around me, like swung a wrecking ball at it basically. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, they didn't really give you much option there than to ask some deeper questions. Like, I moved to New York, I moved away from everyone, and just started a whole new life and a new career, and it's been awesome, and I've been, like, the happiest I've ever been, but it's also been difficult, too. Mm. And just, like, that fish-out-of-water feeling, like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when I first moved there, I, like, got, I went to this, like, lesbian bar, and I made a lot of friends and found, like, a little community, but, like, that faded after a while when, you know, the the jukebox was playing songs that I didn't know, and... I turns out like because I'm Asian like I have that gene where I can't really drink so like Mm. the drinking part of it I can't enjoy and so like I just felt out of place I remember one time I was there with my friends and they were like all having a good time and I just couldn't do it anymore I just left and I never went back so it's very lonely yeah yeah and yeah Mm. I think that that's something that doesn't really I mean, it's, it's acknowledged like in our bodies, but it's not something that is really talked about externally a lot because a lot of us aren't talking about it. Like we don't really get to externally acknowledge very often how incredibly lonely that process is um, of losing your entire support system and the entire way in which you viewed the world and the way you connected with people. Um, And then having to figure out like how to human as an adult. Like when these are things you should have learned as a child, (laughs) but you're having to learn them for the first time in your twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, and beyond. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's very difficult. It's very strange. And it's very lonely. Yeah. And people have no concept of it. They don't get it. Mm -mm. No, unless you've been there, you don't get it. That, that piece that you mentioned about it feeling like a death, like really, really resonates with me as well. Like about a I want to say it was maybe like a year ago, year and yeah, almost exactly a year ago, I think. Um, a year to a year and a half. I um, so I I like write and occasionally read like some poetry and stuff. And there was like um, some nights here in Nashville that I would go to and read at. And around, I don't know what was going on. I think I just was trying to figure out what to what to read because it was like a monthly thing. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna go again. What am I gonna read? And going back through old things that I had written, I came across all of these things that I had written when I was deeply in that evangelical mindset. And they're drenched with this language about how bad I am and mm-hmm. how much I need the thing outside of me. And I was like, 
I, I cried because I was like, oh, I, I love my body so much now and I love who she is and mm-hmm. I love myself and like she is so much more than enough for me. I hate that I ever talked to her that way or moved through the yeah. world that way. So that I brought two of them with me that next night and I basically said before I read them, I was like, y'all didn't know it, but you are coming to a funeral tonight because I'm going to read these <laughs> pieces and then I'm going to burn them and then I'm never going to share or even look at these ever oh again. Oh my God, that because is I can't. awesome. Yeah, and it felt <laughs> yeah. like such a big deal and like something, but you're, but the only way, I had this feeling where I was like, the only way I can come out on the other side of this is if I truly, truly actually acknowledge that that part of me, that past me, so to speak, is, is dead and let myself like embrace that mindset and grieve over it and really feel that so that then I can get to the, well, ironically enough, the life after it, like getting yeah. to the life that waits for me beyond it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's and just, so much to life. That, there like, is. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. And like, I really felt that like about what you said, like about how you like hated yourself kind yeah. of, and like talked badly to yourself. Yeah. Like, I started watching porn when I was 11 years old Mm. and I struggled with that for at the time, like half of my life, just constantly crying to God, every worship service and struggling Mm. silently because the church really directs that kind of talk just to the men. And they blatantly say it just to the men. They start off by saying, okay, listen up men. Men. Now we're going to talk about this or we're going to have the boys do a special Bible study (sighs) with like every young man's battle. And it's just like, I was sitting there like me too. Like, yeah. I need help too. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, technically it didn't really yeah. need help, but, <laughs> but in that um, framework, that mindset, I mean. you're like, and why does this not apply to me? What's wrong with me? 13 years of just agony and just mm. self-loathing and just never feeling good enough because, because I was a sexual person and I right. was taught that women aren't supposed to be sexual right. and men are the visual ones, not women, mm. women. Yeah. And so it was just really hard. Like, and side note, like I hated that we were taught like men are visual so you need to cover up and all this stuff meanwhile I was like I know I like girls and I like men and I'm really (laughs) sexual and I'm really perverted even though I'm a virgin but Mm -hmm. like I can look at a girl and not keep my gaze on her tits or her ass for too long men why can't men get it together dudes like you can do this the bar's not on the floor anymore it is much higher now yeah yeah yeah. So, I mean, like that was a big part of my relationship with God is struggling to find his will and just struggling with like mm. the secret sin of porn and yeah. having no one to talk to and no one who understands and just blatantly getting excluded from all those conversations. Yep. So, yeah. and just feeling so bad about it. Yeah. It's uh, so unhealthy and it's so normal. Yeah. Exactly. Luckily, I never exactly. had a problem with masturbation, so I don't have like that whole complex of feeling sure. sinful about like my body. So uh-huh. like I've always loved my body and yeah. like and enjoyed sex yeah when I did start having sex and all that but yeah yeah it's not easy and I don't think a lot of people know that there's women that struggle too and it's hard just facing all that in silence while you're told that women aren't sexual and they -hmm. shouldn't be sexual and yeah, and there's so much yeah, so damage. That's a whole topic. <laughs> yeah, there's so much damage that's done by internaling yeah. that that women aren't sexual message. And I'm again, I'm sure we could talk about that for a very long yeah. time. But yeah, yeah. Um, but women are sexual, and we're very sexual. Yes, and we're allowed to be. And it's like the like 
one of the best parts about us and it, because yeah. it's just so fundamentally human and that gets to be our our birthright too and there's nothing about us that needs to be cut off from that like there's no level of like holiness to obtain if we make ourselves as unsexual as possible and it's a lie and it's a gross lie and it's it's damaging it's it's a very mm -hmm. very damaging lie so I'm glad yeah, that you even, found your way yeah, out of that <laughs> I couldn't ex ex like um even discover my sexuality normally because because of that yeah and yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it took a while and I'm realizing now like, like looking back 10 15 years ago I'm like oh that was a crush yeah mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> like that girl that I like really liked hanging out with that yep. was a crush yeah <laughs> hindsight girl it is very clear yeah yeah um but, well Thank you so much for for being willing to to talk about all of this and and for even like connecting with the emotion of your story as well. Like it's a really, I know that right now it 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 seems you know like you're saying it was easier at first and it's a little bit harder now. Um, I'm really really happy that you have even if it's just virtual community, you have found um, an outlet of community um, in these Facebook groups and and been able mm -hmm. to connect with people and know that you're you're absolutely not alone in this process that you're going through. And I'm also so glad that you found a stable, loving, communicative, open relationship with the people that you're in relationship with that is so mm -hmm. and that they hold that space for you to be like, we get it. Or even if we don't fully get it, like we're, we're going there with you. And um, yeah, I, lo I love that. I'm so happy for you in that way. And I'm very excited. Um, I'm really excited to see, kind of observe at, you know, at a distance, because I'm sure we're part of the same Facebook groups, but yeah. observe at a distance, like watching things get even better from this point on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to it too. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. That was really wonderful to talk with you. Yeah. Thanks. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yep. You too. Bye. Bye. What did that bring up, though, once it, you were forcibly put in that position? What did it do to your experience or perception of, of anything God or, or whatever else? Yeah, so I spent a few years just being really angry. Um, I think part of it was a safety thing for me, kind of the easiest way to determine, like, how someone was going to treat me when they found out that I was a lesbian was um, just basically like if this person is a Christian like in Northeast Texas then they're probably going to have something hateful to say to me at some point um and so that I kind of cultivated some anger for myself there and it was it kept me safe I think I think that I didn't form relationships with people um for the first few years that I thought would most likely reject me because like I mean if you know you're going to be rejected in the beginning why would you put energy into a relationship absolutely um I think after the first year or so, like every few months, I would think about like trying to find an affirming church and visiting and um, I'd go as far as to like look up places around me and I'd think about it a lot and then I'd always decide against it. Um, I actually got married about a year and a half ago and- um, well, Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so we're very happily married. Um, we have, we're foster parents and we have two children right now. And that's um, so cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Um, 
So we last year um, went to a Unitarian Universalist fellowship for a while. And mm-hmm. I know UU fellowships vary pretty wildly, whether they're basically like liberal Christian or whether they're just full on pagan. Um, right. It's, a, yeah, it's, a, it's a broad map. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this particular fellowship um, definitely didn't adhere to any specific religion. They had they held space for a lot of like pagan rituals and um they also did speak on a lot of kind of the unitarian and universalist backgrounds that the denomination i guess you would say was built on and um that was a really healing experience i feel like because i know like i'd miss the community part of christianity more so like um I hadn't really given that much thought to what i would say i believed at all i just knew that i missed like going and kind of being a part of something. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up moving a couple of months later. So we stopped going there. And, um, since we've been living in a new area and like, since we've had the kids, I wanted to find a place to go and visit. And I think for me right now, I'm just trying to figure out like, is there something that I want to reconstruct or am I happy with the deconstruction, even if I'm not happy with how it happened? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's got to be harder to evaluate when, like you said, it was forced on you in the first place. Yeah. It's, so it's, I feel like I'm kind of taking back some of my power in deciding, like, do I do I want to leave this deconstructed or is there something, do I want to rebuild what I had or build something different here right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's kind of an alienating thing either way because even if you do choose to deconstruct, a lot of times for people who reconstruct a very very much entirely different kind of faith if there's no com- community that is embodying that that faith then you still feel alone you still feel like out there adrift and right. and because there is nowhere like the thing you first connected with there's a there's a group of people who are all very certain and following this charismatic voice who says they understand everything perfectly and we all know exactly who we are and what we're doing and where we're going and yeah. and once you once you give up all of those things, it's really hard to to just you know to ever be in, put in that position again, and it's hard to evaluate what community means. It's it's just such a, a long and complex process. Yeah. But you still you still are on the or uh, you're still in the place where where you see God is there fundamentally. Not in the same way that I used to. Um... I don't know. I feel like there's definitely a something, whether it be kind of a huge positive energy or mm-hmm. just kind of a positive life force that maybe provides some sort of guidance or direction for the universe. Or yeah, because slot machine, yeah. slot machine Jesus is like where you know where where certain people have this random oh look at you know like and where it's just all arbitrary where the blessings are going out and where things are good and things are bad that's that's sat wrong with me for so long yeah but then when i read about quantum entanglement and think mm-hmm. of ancient scripture saying god is spirit i'm like well that that sounds that sounds like something i could get behind yeah I and it's hard to completely discount all of the like religious and spiritual experiences that I had, like as a part of um, evangelical Christianity and say that like, none of that was real. Like I do understand like how a lot of that is set up to really like manipulate and provoke certain emotional reactions. But it's hard for me to say in retrospect that something that felt so real at the time has nothing to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, it sounds like you've done some, 
amazing work of reclamation already, it sounds like you're in a good space to be making those evaluations. Yeah, that's yeah. the other thing is just how much simpler my life feels without constantly worrying about what like an elder or pastor of the church would think about every decision I make. And, um, and God, like, like my, my recovery from my eating disorder and my PTSD have been so much simpler and easier and better, like since coming out and leaving the church. And I don't constantly have to worry about like, like, am I taking too much credit for what I'm doing? Cause there was always this idea that like, if I'm doing something good, then like I need to give the credit to God for that. But if I'm like doing poorly, then that's like And that's me. all you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not me not trying hard enough because the idea wasn't to try harder. The idea was to like press into Christ, which kind of equated to like trying harder. But like, yeah. I don't know. All those semantic yeah, so distinctions just, are so, so funny. I mean, in a terrible way, but funny. Yeah, you're saying the same thing, but you're like just saying it differently. <laughs> right. Um. And yeah, any, so you can't even receive a compliment so and you, you know, someone compliments you and it's, oh, it's the Lord. I, yeah. I, yeah. But it's like I worked really fucking hard to like learn how to feed myself again. And like, I don't know, like the, the church wasn't helping me with that. Yeah. Um, still, I was expected to give credit away for any good thing and take credit for every bad thing. And I don't know. I don't see how anybody can maintain sanity like with like that kind and of double all, thing going on. And all while under fresh bouts of repression and abuse from that same institution that fed you the yeah. first, first few lies. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a lot to have shrugged off and um, to use the biblical imagery to, to get the dust off your feet, you know, to, to move from. Um, so it's, it's just really incredible. It's, it's, uh, it's heartening to hear. Um, yeah. I think, I think that that's, that's a, a really, I mean, it's, there were so many parts in your story that were frustrating and hard to hear, but I, I'm just really, really glad to see where you are and would love to, to maybe hear more later as it develops. But, um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I want to thank you for sharing that and, uh, and it, it does mean a lot. And, and that, that vulnerability I know is not the easiest thing. So, um, Thank you so much, and and yeah, um, I appreciate it, and I know that the rest of the team will hearing this as well, and, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, thanks for talking with me. All right, you have a lovely day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks to everyone for listening and joining in this conversation. If you're a new listener, you can visit theairingofgrief.com to see more episodes, companion pieces, and to learn more about who we are and what we're doing. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, 
Instagram, it all works. Star reviews on iTunes are always greatly appreciated for how they can help make us visible. You can check us out on Patreon as well. And a huge thank you to all of our patrons making this possible. Last thing, we may be doing a few more openings for calls very soon, so be on the lookout for those or send us a letter. We would love to hear your story and process that way as well. That's all for now, so we will see you again next week after church for the airing of grief. <laughs>